Good morning, campers! Have no fear, happy campers, this year it's a summer camp-themed podcast where we reminisce about the stuff that we missed, about the best summers we ever had. And there will be reflection and lots of introspection and a great selection of guests that will stop by. So grab a glass of bug juice, relax, and say hi to both your hosts. We're Julie and Sammy, your podcast family. We're going to start the show. Hi, happy campers. Hey. It's Julia. And Sammy. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Hope you guys are having a great week. Uh, I'm feeling great right now (laughs) because our guest today is one of my favorite people and one of Sammy's favorite people, Miss Natalie Rothstein. On the planet. Seriously, one of my all-time faves. She has been supporting the podcast for, you know, since day one, but she's also been supporting me and Sammy since for like the past 15 plus years yeah, we're, we're talking 2001 <laughs> days we're going way back uh she is a Walden Knight and just one of the one of the most exceptional Walden Knights that there is out there truly she lives and breeds camp uh and all the values that are camp and we're so excited to have her on the podcast because she's fully qualified to talk about a whole range of things so camp. many things uh to set the context uh, if Rothstein sounds familiar it should because it's a camp family name uh her sister Caroline was a guest uh, back in our first season yeah. in our safe camp is a safe space episode and we've got Natalie today and in a couple weeks you guys can check out an episode with her mother Nancy Rothstein Yeah, all the Rothstein women are going to come on the pod and represent. Um, But also, Natalie is incredibly uniquely qualified to talk about camp because she was she went to camp with us. She's in Julia's bunk. She's three years behind me, and then she worked at camp as a counselor. We worked at camp as counselors together, and then she was head counselor for four, three Three summers. summers. And now she is a licensed therapist. So we're going to get into all of this stuff. Yes. And we're going to focus the conversation mainly around mental health at camp and some insights and just kind of understanding how kids deal with things, how counselors can help, how parents, how we can all kind of understand uh, that in the world of camp. So, hey, Natalie. Hi. How'd you like that buildup? Uh, that was lovely. I'm honored by your words. I'm so happy to be here, and I'm blushing. All of you listeners can't quite see my face right now, but I am very excited to be here and talking to both of you. Hi. Thank you for coming. We love you. Um, all right. So give us a I mean, I kind of gave your background already, but you can... How'd you find out about camp? <laughs> You can tell us. How'd you find out about camp? How did I find out about <laughs> camp? Well, um, my mom actually went to Camp Walden, where I went to camp, and she sent my sister there, and then I followed in my sister's footsteps and also attended Walden. I was a camper there for six summers, so I started when I was 10 years old and went through until I was 15, and camp was a really valuable experience in my upbringing. And then I decided my summer after my sophomore year of college, it was time to go work at camp and give that a shot. At that point, I knew that I had a profession in mental health eventually going to happen, and that camp felt like a really great way to start getting experience working with kids and adolescents. So I started working at Walden as a bunk counselor and swim instructor for two summers, Do you want me to keep going? Yes. (laughs) Um, And then I became the head counselor at Walden, which meant I managed the staff during the summer and trained them at the beginning. And I was their go-to person to support them and help them thrive and be 
helpful counselors to the campers and create our camp community. And then over the year, I would actually hire the camp staff. So I did that for three summers. And then when I finished my graduate school program, which was a master's in counseling psychology, I decided that it was time for me to go into my full-time counseling career as a therapist and had to end my full-time position at Walden, which was a, a bittersweet moment for me. But So how do you think that going both going to camp and working at camp help you in your work now? I think that going to camp helped me really connect to my values as a person and put me in situations where I had to really practice some behaviors and exercise my resilience in a way that I might not have done in an everyday life kind of circumstance and also learn to work with others and support others at a younger age than maybe had I gone, you know, started a job later in life or gone when I'd gone to college. Um, Camp Walden's ideals are very rooted in kindness and honesty and respect and responsibility. And I took that very seriously as a camper. And I think that helped develop me into the empath I am, along with many other life experiences. But camp was a really great place for me to grow in that way. And then working at camp gave me an opportunity to provide support in an appropriate way to campers and to staff once I was head counselor and really forced me to grow those muscles and be a stronger support. And I learned a lot of mediation skills when I was a counselor, both working with campers and staff, and had to be put in crisis management types of situations that I think helped develop my skills as a therapist in a really valuable way. Like, so freaking like well-spoken. So, yeah, like, I can't <laughs> even. <laughs> oh, gosh. That was so good. Um, what do you think is the value mental health-wise, therapeutically, for kids when they are at camp today? That's a really great question. So we live in this technology-driven era where we see kids and teens heavily relying on their technology. They use their phones as their lifeline. So they are often missing these skills that are really important to develop one, socializing with their peers face-to-face, and two, creating their own autonomy and self-reliance because they always have these devices that can be there for a backup. So when they go to camp, they have to be without technology, connect with people face-to-face, build relationships that are rooted in person-to-person interactions and really getting to know each other without the security blanket of their smartphones or their tablets, whatever that may be. And they're also not connected to social media, which, you know, of course, social media does have value, but it can also get in the way of developing relationships. But I think the biggest piece is resilience and that campers and counselors as well have to rely on themselves and their peers to to be strong and to work through discomfort and to grow as leaders, as individuals, to have fun. And it's just a really pure way that we often are missing out on this day and age. And Yeah, pure like face-to-face interaction. And being present. With no distractions. Mm-hmm. And it's fun. Yeah, it's <laughs> very fun. What are some examples that, uh, of how you think like people are the most present at camp? 
Well, I think one of the or biggest... Or like reflecting on you as a, as a person at camp. And well, you don't have the distraction of social media and you're not living and paying attention to what everyone else is doing outside of where you are and you get very involved in the community. Camp is so heavily based on camaraderie and being a part of something and connecting to people and that common interest that you love camp, hoping that you do love camp, but it's a, a chance to connect with your peers and celebrate being at camp, have fun, go out and play outside, explore yeah. and work different muscles that you don't get to so much outside of camp and that's really valuable. I'm sure that you felt this too, but when I was a counselor, like we had access to our phones, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I so rarely used it while I was in camp. Like I took it on my nights off, whatever, but I kept it in my bunk. There's no service. Like Mm -hmm. in order to do anything, I would have to like go to the counselor shack to get the Wi-Fi. It was just like not worth it. Exactly. And something that was hard for me when I transitioned to being head counselor was that I did have to sit at a desk some hours a day. I was definitely meant to be out and about checking in on people and supporting throughout camp. But there were times when I was sitting at a desk on a computer with my phone connected to Wi-Fi and I'd find myself scrolling through social media or texting people who weren't at camp. And I would always try to be really mindful of not doing that because I noticed when I did that, I was getting away from what I was really meant yeah. to be doing and what was important to all me. All of a sudden, you're like letting in all mm-hmm. of that energy and all that drama and all that whatever and exactly. letting them know that like, oh, you're, you're around and available to tap into that too, which you're really not, not wanting to do. Exactly. Yeah. What about uh, kids who maybe can't have a, have a tough time that first year to clicking into the community? And what it's like almost to be that kid where it seems like everyone's having the best time of their life and they're for some reason just kind of the one kid in the bunk who's kind of seen as like the mope or whatever it is. So that's a really hard position, as you can imagine, for kids to be in, especially when they're transitioning, because going to camp is a really vulnerable experience, as amazing and fun and wonderful as it may be. It puts people in a really new and scary situation. I can relate to that. When I started going to camp, I was incredibly homesick and had a really hard time. I remember one day I'm standing in line to go into the showers and someone says to me, oh, what bunk are you in? I said, bunk five, which was the 10-year-olds. And she said to me, oh, how's the homesick girl in bunk five? Uh Oh, and they were talking about you? Yeah, I go, I am the homesick girl in bunk five. So it's it's really hard. I think some camps, particularly larger camps, are starting to implement roles called inclusion coordinators who are there to help really with campers who are having a hard time assimilating whether they have, you know, differences to their peers. But I think camps are really trying to create ways to make sure campers are feeling like they can be included. And Some campers have different experiences, but it is really hard for those campers who come to camp and don't quite feel comfortable right away. I do think it's really important that programming offers ways for campers to get to know each other right off the bat. And because some people like jump right into it, they want to just go to soccer the first day of camp and they're going to be good to go. And some need to have their hands held and transition a little bit more smoothly. And it it can take a few summers for them to feel comfortable or it may be a fit thing. Yeah. Different 
kids thrive at different settings and there's so many different types of camps as Happy Campers has helped me to realize more <laughs> that there's really different places where people can flourish. What do you think some of the tactics, I remember at our camp we had like camp sisters where you kind of have an older camper who was kind of looking out for me from the beginning or you know you'd have your counselors and uh, what, what are some that maybe some like new techniques have, that have evolved or new types of like groups? Or is it something that you like really focus on in pre-camp and kind of training the counselors? It's definitely a training piece, working with the counselors while they're getting prepared for the campers to come and helping give them tools how to help support those campers who are missing out or having a hard time. And maybe that means having more group settings where campers, some camps do have campers move from activity to activity as a group. I think that can often help so people don't feel as confused. But giving people buddies, helping them connect with people in their age group who might be second-year campers if they're first-year campers. Getting to know you, Knight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So at our camp, we the second night of camp was getting to know you, Knight, where that. you were put in mixed groups that gave you an opportunity to connect <laughs> with other people throughout camp and do tons of different icebreaker activities. I remember yeah. the sheet dropping the and sheet you had dropping to say, to the, say person's the person's name. name. Mm-hmm. Was that it? The two truths and a lie. Yeah. There's a ton. Musical chairs. That was my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> musical chairs As a counselor, great. counselor musical chairs was the best. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so funny. So my, my little experience was that, so my, I was a little bit one of those campers who was nervous about camp before and then, you know, totally fine the first night, like really nervous about camp before, totally fine the first night cried my eyes out after getting to know you night, was so homesick, was so scared, and then never again, was so happy. And I think it was because, it was just that second night of camp that made me so upset. I think it was because I realized how much I didn't know so many people. You were probably so overwhelmed. Yeah, it was like, socially overwhelmed. It was just really like, I'm going to have to know a hundred names. I'm going to have to, they, I feel like everyone else knows each other. I'm scared they won't like me. It was, it was like meant to be this really positive thing. And and it kind of like triggered me in some way. I truly think that every kid gets like at least some element of homesickness. Because even I was like the ultimate camper the whole time but every parents weekend I whenever my parents came I always had this moment of like I kind of wish I could go with them even though I didn't and like I think there are a lot of campers that are like happy like really happy having a great time but like there are moments where they're just kind of like uh is this where I want to be and I think that's a very that's like a huge part of camp is like recognizing your feelings but realizing that like no I'm happy here Absolutely. That's such a confusing experience for kids, but also really helpful for them in building that resilience and understanding the discomfort of being happy, being one place, and even knowing you want to be somewhere else. And that's something I often kind of tried to communicate to campers when they were missing home, feeling really homesick, helping them realize that you can miss your parents and home, but still be really happy to be here at the same time. Right. That's something that I actually re- really recognized my like my freshman year of college. I felt that feeling a lot where I was like, I'm having a really good time, but also I kind of want to be somewhere else. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and like, but because I went to camp, I was kind of like, I think this will pass. And it did eventually. Yeah. And there's something magical about camp because everything is so, it's so planned out, but it's also like back to back to back. So you, it can be 10 a.m. and you're, you know, just finished cleaning your bunk and you're feeling kind of like, oh, what's going to, like, I feel sad. I feel like no, no one's chatted with me yeah. all day or whatever it is. And then, boom, like 20 minutes later, you're in the middle of the lake splashing around with, like, a bunch of girls your age or older or whatever, and you're having the best time. And it's, like, things, it's hard to even be in a funk when, like, all of a sudden you're in a new situation with new people, and now you're at a t- lunch table with a whole new group, and you're singing songs. 
Totally. And that's something really cool about camp too, is that there's so much turnover that you can start your day having a really tough time. And then by lunchtime, you've done so many other things and your mood has completely shifted. Or all of a sudden it's 8 p.m. and you're like bawling and you're just so sad. And then people are like, oh my God, I saw you on the sports field like this afternoon and you couldn't be happier. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's camp emotion. That's camp. That's what, uh, go from zero to 60. Um, so, I don't know if I exactly know how to articulate this question, but when we had your sister on, she was talking about camp as a safe space. And I think that the other side of that is that camp is not a safe space for everyone. And I'm like, just wondering if you could speak to that a little bit. It's like kind of an amorphous question. <laughs> it's, it's a very <laughs> it's, complicated concept right. that I, I've grappled with while I think about mental health and how that exists in camp. And as I spoke earlier about the idea of resilience, that camp is a time for campers and counselors to build their resilience in a way that isn't always accessible in other settings. But also there's campers who are going to come to camp and it's just not working for them. And it doesn't feel like a safe space for whatever reason that may be. And resilience is almost too hard to to reach for them because camp isn't a safer space for them. Um, and so where I kind of sit with that is how do you adjust the environment to help make it safer for other folks? And how do you also make sure it's still fitting the needs of everyone else? And I think that it, that is a unique idea that really depends on what community you're looking at and different camps can, can make those shifts. I think coming from a traditional camp, it's really hard sometimes when camp doesn't feel like a safe space to one camper because it's such a traditionally based community and is so small in that sense, whereas larger camps have more fluidity to kind of create safer spaces and you can find more of a niche because the camps are so big and have like multiple different communities within one one camp. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it like does, private school it, versus public school. And yeah. I mean, like in my town, it was like, you know, I had 80 kids in my grade, but I could have gone to a class with mm-hmm. 400 mm-hmm. kids in my grade. It, it makes sense, but I haven't, I hadn't viewed it in that way or thought of it in that way. So could you dive a tiny bit, like maybe give some examples around that? I don't know, like it's a bigger space, so we're not going to see as you like, no, I think it's. Your issue I don't think here, it's that. Like I think it's there's a bigger space. Who that, are going through similar things. Right. I think that that's what it is. Versus I think it's like, a bigger there's space. There's twelve kids, and you're the one with a little bit of a different situation. It's a bigger space, so that you're more likely to have kids that like kids that are like you. Exactly. Okay. There's like, there's a, a larger okay. community. Sorry, private school kid here didn't understand the well, concept. Especially at a place like <laughs> no, know, but it makes sense. No, it's no, a no, great analogy. Like what you said, a big school. Yeah. I mean, especially coming from like Walden. We were tiny. We were very small, but and also, everyone knows everything. Yeah. I've said this a lot, and like I don't think it's a dig against Walden at all, but it's like a very specific kind of kid Absolutely. that makes it all the way through 100%. Walden. Okay, and like, but if if it were a a four hundred kid camp, yeah. probably a lot of different kinds of kids can make it all the way through just because there are different kinds of kids available. Yeah. Okay, this makes lots of sense to me now. And so that it gives people opportunities to find what feels like a safer space within a larger community. Yeah. And I think that, you know, thinking about, I was having a conversation with my mom the other night about college and how I started at a smaller school that just wasn't the right fit for me. I ended up at University of Illinois, which is a huge school. And I was able to find my space that felt safe for me within the school because there was so much happening that if, even if the school wasn't quote a right fit for me, I could find you something find that people. was a fit and my people. Whereas at a camp like Walden, I, I really echo what you said, Sammy, that 
it it is these traditional camps do fit better fits like do require some sense of fit in a different way yeah I mean when I was applying to college someone said to me you can make a big school as small as you want but you can't make a small school bigger and I think that applies to camp too right it's like finding your own community within the community yeah um and that, you know, the whole big fish, small pond kind of thing, you mm-hmm. know, like I, all three of us were very big fish in the small pond of Walden, <laughs> but like a kid might be more comfortable being like a medium or smaller size fish in a bigger pond. Does that answer your question? Yeah, Julia. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, this is, this is great. I feel like I hadn't thought about stuff like that and it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um... What else do we want to talk about? Tell us, do you have any like good head counselor stories? Oh, wow. <laughs> I know I you spent a lot, lot of time doing laundry. Counselor. I get <laughs> so much laundry. It's unreal. That should have been part of my job description. But I did a lot of laundry as head counselor. I think I'm also pretty good at doing laundry, it turns out. So, so that worked out well, too. In the huge... Well, they're not, were they that big? They're pretty big. They're big. They're uh, industrial size. Yeah, yeah, industrial size. Washer dryer. What about in terms of like, so you worked at camp uh, through like your college summers. Mm-hmm. How would you say, like, would you say that that was a valuable experience as opposed to like getting an internship? I mean, I would completely say that, but like, let's hear a therapist say it. <laughs> <laughs> the New York Times has said it, so who yeah. else do we need to say it? But... I, I felt it was an incredibly valuable experience for me personally. That was something I struggled a lot when I would hire staff is when I'd be reaching out to these college students who were looking for a summer experience, they would I'd offer them a position and they'd tell me, oh, well, I'm, I'm waiting for an internship yeah. offer right now and I'm not sure what makes more sense for me. So then I'd have to pitch them why camp was such a valuable experience. I think that there is value to both, but some of the skills that you learn being a camp counselor are are irreplaceable that you couldn't necessarily gain in an internship. I think a lot of what you learn as a camp counselor can be applied to any setting in I some way. completely agree. I mean, there's so much of like dealing with bosses, dealing with kids, dealing with parents. There's like a lot of learning how to interact with people above and below you. Absolutely. And your peers too. It's like, it was honestly, I think prepared me more than like clerking for a judge. Right. Well, you also need to learn effective communication, which, you know, follows what you were saying as well as taking initiative, being able to work with people you don't necessarily enjoy working with because that's not something you can really escape when you're working at camp. And it's a really cool experience to learn also how to take care of others as a counselor to be supportive to campers is an experience in a residential setting that is really helpful in developing those types of responsibility skills that you can't really replicate in a day setting. Yeah. And a, like a day job setting. Yeah, day job setting. It's also like th- just like the the hierarchy of how it works is like, you know, the camp director is above you. But like as a counselor, you could go to the camp director at any time or the head counselor or the assistant director. Whereas like in a traditional job pyramid, you're never going to get to the CEO mm-hmm. to like directly face interface with them. Yeah. Um, yeah. What let's talk about like what 
Julia's favorite question is like, what does camp mean to you? Do you want to ask that question? Oh, Natalie, <laughs> um, what does camp mean to you? <laughs> what does camp Today mean to me? Today or like oh, wow. in your life? How does it still impact like, what you? What does it mean to you in your heart? In your what heart, when mean? someone oh. says camp, what are the what are the? That's such a loaded question. So loaded, um, <laughs> and I can. It's it's cool because I, when I was getting ready to come here, I spent some time reflecting on if you asked me this kind of question, what would I say? Um, and I think about what camp meant to me as a camper, what it means to me now, what it how meant to me as a counselor. You do three. How about yeah, you talk about each okay. of this? So as a camper, we don't need I think, to mush. You had all three valid experiences. Great. So as a camper, it meant to me a space where I had really special friendships and a space where I could be happy and successful when my home life wasn't always easy at times. It was a place where I could really go and enjoy myself and have fun outside, push myself. I had to hike and canoe, and I am a terrible hiker, and I had to cry up mountains and deal with it and figure it out and push myself and feel like I could achieve things that I couldn't do at home. And I could be really just joyful and pure bliss. And it was so important and special to me that it was hard to go home sometimes because that place was such a safe space for me. And I felt in my element at camp. I think when I was a counselor, it was a place where I could replicate that experience for campers. That meant so much to me as someone who is a quote-unquote helper, and that's a huge part of who I am, that I could help create a space that felt safe for campers and see them enjoy it. Whenever I go to Walden as a when I was a counselor or now, I can't help but get really warm fuzzies, and I often just like find myself weeping <laughs> watching campers and counselors enjoy it in a way that I had because it is such a special, pure joy being at camp and having fun. And now I look at it and I can reflect on the skills that I gained that I was talking about earlier that is a really value that I, I built a lot of resilience at camp. I learned how to be a leader. I learned how to communicate differently. And I, I learned how to build really valuable and fr special friendships that mean the world to me. And last night my sister had a poetry performance and there was a crew of Walden folks there and that was so special and we even if you don't know someone from your camp days, having that Walden experience is a kinship. And it's, it's a community that I am so grateful to be a part of because I think it's helped build who I am and will continue to be an important part of my life and something I look back on so fondly and with so much gratitude. That was like a perfect answer. I don't know why you were stressed about that. That was so good. It <laughs> was a perfect answer. Thank you. It was so Thank good. you. Uh, I mean, brought up all, all, all the feelings, but um, I just remember. I was about to say, when you said that yeah. you're a quote unquote helper, I was about to go into like, and you helped Julia at inspection every morning. <laughs> oh, don't even start me with Julia at inspection. Let's just say I had the pleasure of sharing a bunk space with Julia multiple times. If we weren't like next to each other, we were on the same side of a cabin multiple times. And I am a clean person. And as a child, Julia, she veered on the messy side. And I one day was, one day, many times I did help her make her bed. And, but one time I did find like chunks of dirt and M&M's in her bed. In and it? In her bed. Like and I asked her when the last time she had 
cleaned her sheets were, and she said probably not since we got here. It was like I halfway I was through just the summer. Like, I, I had. She didn't it. understand like, that concept. If them. Lisa Linden is listening, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know that is not how you raised your daughter. Um, I take full it responsibility. Was, it was not my mom. It was, it was my disgusting. Fault. Julia used to like hoard soda cans that were half full Ew. and just leave them under her bed and Didn't drink them for days. Them? Drink them at night. Remember? Yeah, it Didn't was they just get ants in there. They did get ants. Ew. It was I so was disgusting. disgusting. I did that when I was ten years old. I left a cherry coke out, and the next morning I took a huge swig of it, and it was all ants in my mouth. Ew. Oh my it was god, the worst that thing is ever. So gross. It was terrible. Never did that again. Um, yeah, Nads. Oh, we call her Nads. She was. <laughs> she helped Jay a lot with her cleanliness at camp. Yeah, it was just like general well-being, (laughs) encouraging showering, (laughs) doing your laundry. I think I often helped her unpack her laundry and put it in her trunk folded nicely. I mean, like the last time that I was here, Julia had been sleeping on her bed with no sheets on them, like zero sheets. Okay, but at the moment, I have all the sheets and the bed is made. And so I made her bed for her and then I called Natalie the next day and she was (laughs) like, I'm 0% surprised that that happened. Yeah, and then I told you about our freshman year of college, I went to visit Julia or maybe it was I think it was sophomore year of college actually and Julia had a suitcase full of clothing it was February I believe (laughs) and she was like yeah this is from when I came home from winter break maybe Thanksgiving unclear (laughs) and I couldn't see the floor and I cleaned her entire room and unpacked her suitcase oh and put all the dirty laundry where it belonged in a hamper. Oh my God. I was so, so I was so thankful. Here's the thing, guys. Your room looks good. Thank it you. does look really I'm good. I'm reading a I'm book so about minimalism yeah, at the she moment. She said that she's going to be it's a minimalist. Goodbye thing. <laughs> you need to read Marie Kondo. Yeah, it's it's so good. It was so good. I don't know how that'll go for you. But it was such, <laughs> it was, it's a, too stressful. It this guy's like experience. Marie Light. <laughs> It was so good. Oh, love it. The, the, I did the KonMari, too. Um, Life-changing. Yeah. It camp's um, good because you only have a couple possessions. Yeah. And you cherish them. So, you guys, just so you can have some context, you should go back to our camp hygiene episode and listen. I was always labeled as a dirty kid, but I kind of got it together by the time I was in bunk 12. I get, got it together Jay, last week. Jay is still on the journey. I'm getting it together. We're all on a journey. So you do this program called Cornerstone. Can you talk a little bit about that? <laughs> Cornerstone is a really wonderful program. It's a fellowship program put on by an organization called FJC, Foundations for Jewish Camps. And basically the fellowship is for emerging leaders in camps, so generally like ranging 19 to 22-year-old counselors. And they are recognized as strong leaders at their camps and really invested in camp. They apply to this fellowship and they go in May, and it's a big seminar, essentially, that's about four or five days for the counts- for the fellows at a camp in Pennsylvania, and FJC provides different programs all throughout the year for camps to help for professional development, ranging from camper to camp director, and really offers some really incredible programming, and so Cornerstone offers education for these fellows to bring back to their camps. And so I am offering a specialty track, which is three sessions I'll offer consecutively to the same group of fellows, so over the course of the program, and I'll be talking about mental health at camp. So what are you going to talk about? So I 
will be talking about things that will help them become more knowledgeable and be advocates for mental health at their camps, their respective camps. So kind of the way I'm breaking it down, it is a Jewish organization, so I have to incorporate Judaism. So I will be talking about mental health and Judaism and the the relationship of the Torah and mental health as well as the stigma of mental health in Jews. I will also be talking about appropriate support models at camps. So mental health issues are showing up more than ever right now at camps. And they're just being recognized more, do you think? They've always been there. They're being recognized more and being talked about more. But some really inappropriate support models often develop. For example, a camper may be having panic attacks every night and their counselor knows and waits two weeks before they report it because they think they have it under control. And that's really not helpful to either party. It's incredibly stressful and overwhelming for a counselor and also not providing sufficient support for the camper. So I'm really going to help create this idea of how to be a mental health promoter, so a wellness promoter rather than a mental health expert because counselors want to help support their campers, but there's some things that just aren't within their realm and they don't have the time and space to do that. So that's one piece of it. And then I'll be talking about resilience, as I mentioned earlier. It's such an important part of camp and such a great opportunity to capitalize on that space. So I'll be talking about resilience for staff at camp as well as helping promote resilience for campers. So how do you work through some difficult moments and help your campers work through difficult moments so they can build that resilience at camp and also practice self-care and what self-care looks like, particularly for counselors who can burn out camp being a it's camp counselor hard, is a hard yeah, job, hard. and it's incredibly rewarding and fun, but it is exhausting, and it can lead to burnout. So I'll be talking about self-care. tips for counselors? Like go take a swim in the lake on your off hour? That's a really great example, and one of my favorite sources of self-care <laughs> at camp. Go for a walk. Um, call someone at home who can provide you that support. Meditate. I don't. It depends on what the camp can offer. Work out. Go for a run do some yoga, have, you know, schedule a time where you and one of your closest counselor friends can go just do something really enjoyable that you both like and is really just taking your free time to take care of yourself because there is free time built in for staff in some way, but it's not always used in the most rejuvenating way. So really being mindful about how how you use that time. Yeah. Do you think that a big part of resilience at camp is kind of trying to maintain perspective at camp because like it's so hard to have any perspective on anything that's happening while you're at camp it, everything seems like a huge deal that's such a fantastic point and I will definitely be talking about that because it is a huge deal and when I stopped being head counselor I remember talking on the phone to our friend Katie Gilman who's now currently head, head counselor. counselor at Walden and she was just giving me an update about everything that was going on and I'm hearing these things and she's telling me them and I'm thinking oh like okay that's not a big deal but I know that had I been at camp I would have been freaking out over those things and I would have right. let them impact me way more than I would outside of camp because Resilience is hard when you're in such a contained space, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like such a positive and negative thing about how intense it is. Yeah. It's like, oh, it's amazing, it's like, like everything matters, so you yeah. everyone cares about the same stuff, and you're all on the same page about how big a deal everything is, but then when it's... But sometimes it's like... Eating at you, it's so like, oh my yeah. God, you like take it so seriously. In your mind, it's like so big of a deal, and then like two weeks after camp, you're like, why was I freaking out about that? Yeah. And, but you know, that's all, that's part of the learning experience too. Like by the, I was a counselor for five summers and by the end of the fifth summer, I was just kind of like, whatever guys, like chill, everything's fine. While people were freaking out around me. Laugh it off. Yeah. The laugh it off. Da da da. Yeah. That's kind of the best. (laughs) That that was for me. I, I use this example of with, so as a therapist, I use this example all the time with my clients of you know, when they are having a hard time with perspective and recognizing that they're getting so worked up over something that is really not worth getting so worked up about and and if they shifted their perspective would help them to reframe it. So an example for me is that at Camp Walden, we ran time by bells. And when I became head counselor, the bells, whenever they didn't get rung at the right time, I would freak out. I would get so stressed and worked up and like, just frustrated with the whole situation and it would be like a five minute difference and then one day I sat back and I thought to myself what's really happening here when the bells don't get rung at the right time yes it's great it's nice when things move smoothly and are functional but the worst case scenario here is someone's playing soccer an extra five minutes or someone's swimming or five five minutes minutes less less. yeah and that we can adapt and we'll make it work because camp is a constantly moving and adapting space. And so I looked at it as, is this a life or death situation? And no, the bell is being <laughs> rung or not a life or death situation. And also just like at the end of the day, nobody knows how long the periods are supposed to be. Anyway. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's like They're not the telling kid, time. But I will tell no you, concept. I was that kid in the hot sun on the basketball court going, <laughs> Oh my God! Why hasn't the bell rung Were yet? Were you not the kid who was like, "Can you let me out early so I can go to shower house?" Always, no, not always. That kid. Yeah, Julia was not that kid. I was. That but kid. I was you always a little angsty if the bell didn't ring. <laughs> Get me out. Uh, okay. Or I'd be in arts and crafts working on my jewelry, and the bell would ring, and I'd be like, "No, not I budgeted time. five more minutes. Not ready. Not ready." Um, that's a really good example, actually. There were a lot of little tiny things that I would freak out about, like whether or not the canoes got put up on the rack before lunch or anything like that. It was just like, it was so stupid. Yeah. Who cares? We're all here to have fun, guys. Yeah. Let it go. Because you still get lunch and you still get sun and you still get to rest halfway through the day. It's all good. It's all good. I know. <laughs> I like have been thinking about this for a long time that I would really like to like restructure my life around a camp schedule. <laughs> it works for me. I honestly uh, think that it could if I like woke up at seven thirty, started work at I nine. I don't know if I would do, do three activities from nine to twelve. I, don't know. I would move around where evening activities because I'd like to just like after dinner like eat a lot and kind of have a slow burn into sleep. Like I don't need to get all riled up right before bed. Okay. I mean, like, bed is at Maybe, like, after lunch. I think I'd yeah. also really benefit from that. Maybe after <laughs> lunch I could do my uh, Guys, my let's start skits. the revolution. <laughs> let's restructure our lives. I am in. That sounds like a really wonderful idea. <laughs> I think it could work. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be great. All right, Natalie, you have to go catch a plane. I'm Thank so you sad. for joining us. Thank you for sharing everything. Thank you, Thank you for, for having coming me. on the pod. It was my pleasure. I loved getting to talk about us. camp and mental health. I know your two passions. Of my favorite things. Two of your passions. With two of my favorite peeps. Ah, <laughs> oh, Mads, we love you. All right, so 
everyone give it up for Natalie at home while you're listening on the podcast right now. She's the best. Do you have a website? Do you want to plug a website or something? I don't have a website. (laughs) I will have a website in the future. So if this is 2020, I might have a website. (laughs) NatalieRothstein.com. Don't worry, I'll make you one for your birthday. Check it out in two years. In two years. Thank you. And uh, check us out. We do have a website. It's called happycamperspodcast.com. Um, check it out. And you can find us on social media, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Yep. And uh, email us, happycamperspodcast at gmail.com. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on the lovely iTunes. All right. Nads, thanks for coming on. Day is done. Gone the sun. We, we out. out. Bum 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 b